You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome to Max A. Pooch's Awesome Animal Advocates on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Keith Sanderson, animal advocate, writer, and human companion to Max A. Pooch, canine crusader for animals and the environment. Max and I thank you for joining us, and we dedicate this episode as we dedicate every episode to those amazing people who work to save the lives and or improve conditions of companion, domestic, or wild animals. Our guest today is Michael Crowther, President and CEO of the Indianapolis Zoological Society. Mike's focus is the conservation of wild things and wild places, and he believes that the accredited zoos and aquariums of the world can play an important role in building connections between humans, nature, resulting in increased personal conservation action. When we return from a break, Mike will tell us about the Indianapolis Prize, an award that is given to an individual who has made extraordinary contributions to conservation efforts involving a single animal species or multiple species. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. Petco, where the pets go. Petco, where the pets go. Pet Life Radio has tail wagging, fur flying, fabulous deals for our listeners from Petco. Get $6 off your order of $60 or more and up to 40% off the entire Petco site. That's right. But that's not all. Because you're a Pet Life Radio listener, you'll also get free shipping on your order of $49 or more. $6 off, up to 40% off, and free shipping from Pet Life Radio and Petco. To get these awesome deals, go to PetcoDeals.com. That's PetcoDeals.com. Petco, where the pets go. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Max A. Pooch's Awesome Animal Advocates. I'm Keith Sanderson, your host, and our guest today is Michael Crowther, President and CEO of the Indianapolis Zoological Society. Hi, Mike. Welcome to Max A. Pooch's Awesome Animal Advocates. Well, uh, thank you. It's great to be here. You know, I think our audience may, uh, many may not have heard about the Indianapolis Prize. I'm sure many have. But for those who haven't, can you give us a little background on its purpose and frequency and other details you think are important? Sure. The uh, Indianapolis Prize has been awarded since 2006. And its purpose was to reward and bring recognition to those amazing conservation heroes who uh, work in the field and are committed to saving wild things and wild places. It's a real challenge today with nearly 20,000 species being on the IUCN red list of threatened species. Wow, 20,000. That's incredible. And I'm sure there's all kinds of pressures from human displacement of animals to uh, environmental changes. It keeps a lot of people busy. It does. It's also surprising to a lot of people to hear that, for example, 43% of all mammals 
are in danger of extinction. And uh, we're not just talking about some weird little cave-dwelling spider or something. We're talking about 43% of all mammals, and that goes up to uh, 63% of all amphibians. So uh, we've got a challenge in front of us as a species because these are the other beings that share our home with us and keep the planet Earth livable, not just for themselves, but for all of us. And the people who are nominated for the Indianapolis Prize are the folks who are making a real difference in ensuring that these uh, creatures don't go extinct. When was the first prize given, Mike? It was awarded in 2006 to a gentleman by the name of Dr. George Archibald. George Archibald is uh, a remarkable character who uh, almost single-handedly saved the whooping crane from extinction. George founded and runs the International Crane Foundation, and he has done everything from working in the field to uh, hiding in haystacks in the demilitarized zone between North and South Korea to observe endangered cranes. So he's done a a lot of remarkable things. And as I said, if it weren't for George, uh, we would probably have no more whooping cranes in the world today. Wow, because I I recall they were down, what, to 40 or 50? Am I thinking of the right species? Yes, you are. It's been horrific. And uh, unfortunately, they're not alone. But I thought it it was particularly fitting that the first recipient of the prize was someone who had done some very specific things to save a a very iconic species like the whooping crane. And George is also a bit of a character. After he first managed to figure out how to to breed whooping cranes in captivity, he went on the Johnny Carson show and they showed video of him dancing with cranes, which uh, got a lot of attention for him. I remember that. That was a really startling episode. Was it hooping cranes or maybe sandhills or maybe all of them? But did they also have to reteach them migration routes? Uh, yes, they do it both with whoopers and uh, with a number of others, but the need is particularly with whoopers. Uh, I live in um, central Indiana, and I still can see uh, flights of thousands of sandhill cranes flying over my home on uh, their uh, on their migration paths. But the whoopers needed to be led because the uh, the species memory that many of them had had been lost, and so uh, what a lot of people will recall is using ultralight aircraft to uh, to lead them to their uh, wintering grounds. And then once they made the migration, they were able to go back to their uh, summer grounds? Yes, they, they are. Uh, yeah. uh, well, the ultralight is a good and useful guide, and then after a while, you don't need your guide. <laughs> That's great. Who have the other winners been? Another legend has been Dr. George Schaller. George Schaller is prototypical field conservationist. He's known by many as the world's preeminent field biologist and maybe the greatest since Charles Darwin. But George was, he wrote the uh, basic field guide to observing uh, wild creatures when he did a, a very extensive study of African lions. But he also was 
the man who went into uh, Rwanda and studied mountain gorillas before Diane Fossey ever went there. He was the first Westerner to go into China to study giant pandas. He was even the man who suggested to Jane Goodall that if she could see tool use, if she could observe tool use in chimpanzees, that would change everything. So uh, George is probably most noted for the people that he develops and the relationships and how he passes on his knowledge and his wisdom to others and then gives them a great chance. He's been working uh, over the last uh, decade or so in Asia, and he's been uh, trying to uh, develop peace parks where particularly wild antelope, uh, chiru specifically, can move from uh, country to country unmolested because, as you know, uh, geopolitical borders are uh, an invention of humans. Animals don't know whether they're in Pakistan or Tajikistan. Yeah, yeah, I, I've read that, uh, you know, one of the uh, fears among environmentalists is uh, a wall across the uh, U.S.-Mexican border because that will stop migrating and moving animals. You're absolutely right. And, uh, you know, we don't take that into consideration or the way highways have made a hodgepodge of the world. Now, let's see, the last one was what, 2012, the last uh, Yes, and, um, and the winner of that was Dr. Stephen Amstrup. And uh, Steve Amstrup was the, uh, the guiding force between having polar bears listed as an endangered species. And there's a really interesting story behind Steve Amstrup's science because the first step was to recognize the effects that polar ice loss was having on polar bears. It was he who discovered where they go to den and then also documented the loss of population that was the result of melting ice caps. But what he also did, which I think a lot of people didn't pay enough attention to, was he demonstrated that we are not at a tipping point where it is inevitable the polar bears go extinct. Steve showed that if we mitigate ice loss, if we can slow down global climate change, then polar bears can sustain beyond the end of this century. And the concern was that they would be gone in the next 50 to 75 years. So I think one of the most important points about the Indianapolis Prize is that it goes not just to people who work hard and vaguely struggle in a losing battle, but the Indianapolis Prize goes to people who have actually scored victories, to those who have made a difference and have turned the tide in a species struggle for sustainability. So these are winners. These are true champions who are telling us that there is still hope for our world. That's one reason I wanted to have you on because Max A. Pucci's Awesome Animal Advocates wants to have people on who are positive inspiration, have met challenges and, and found solutions because it's sometimes as dismal as the news may be seen about the environment and the animals that are disappearing. There's also good news and if we just dwell on the bad, we'll lose all hope. Now, I understand for 2014, there's been a change in the amount of the winning prize and the prizes for the five finalists. Is that true? Yes. The winner will receive a quarter of a million dollars in 2014, and each of the non-winning finalists will receive a, uh, a grant of $10,000. Now, there are several reasons that this is important. The first is these people 
are absolute rock stars. These are the Michael Jordans. These are the Peyton Mannings of wildlife conservation. And yet most of them work for next to nothing. I know somebody who has been working, uh, an American who's been working in a certain African country for about the last 20 years, and he earns about $7,000 a year. Now, this is a guy with a PhD, and at some point, he's going to have to retire. At some point, he's got a young son. He's going to have to send his son to college or whatever. And it's really important that these people who are champions fighting for all of us and who are winning these victories have the opportunity to continue to do what they're doing. So the increase in the prize to $250,000 really gives them the chance to keep doing their work because it's completely unrestricted. If they choose to take that money and spend it on several new Land Rovers for working in the field, they can do that. If they want to do it to put solar panels on the roof of their, uh, their camp, they can do it. We are not giving them money and then telling them how to spend it. We're giving them the opportunity to say, this is what's most important. Well, that's great because who else knows what best they need than the person who needs it? Hey, Mike, we need to take a break right now, but when we return, we can continue the conversation and learn more about this year's uh, nominees. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. Every pet is unique. Maybe they're gray in the muzzle, yet young at heart. Maybe they're growing out of the puppy stage and into their paws and ears. Or maybe they're just trying to maintain a more girlish figure. At PetSmart, we have the right food for your pet at a great value for you. PetSmart. Be better together. Go to PetSmartDeal.com and save up to 30% on awesome gifts for the pets and pet people in your life. Toys, collars, leashes, PetSmart gift cards, treats, and more. Go to PetSmartDeal.com today. P-E-T-S-M-A-R-T-D-E-A-L.com. I'm not much of a reader, but I do wish I were more well-read. There are so many great books coming out. I wish I could find a way to keep up. Audible.com makes it easy to stay well-informed and catch up on your reading simply by listening. Audiobooks from Audible turn downtime into uptime. You'll be more productive and become well-read. Now I'm able to catch up on all the great books I've been wanting to read. With Audible, I feel smarter. Pet Life Radio listeners, try Audible.com now and get your first 30 days of Audible Listener Gold Membership plan free. And get a free audiobook. Choose from over 100,000 titles. To get this great deal, go to audibledeals.com. That's audibledeals.com. Hi, I'm Dr. Jeff Werber from Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff here on Pet Life Radio. We want to hear from you. Listen in. We're on every Thursday, 1 o'clock Pacific Time, 4 o'clock Eastern Time here on PetLifeRadio.com. We are one of the only live shows on Pet Life Radio, and I'm here to answer your questions. You can call in at 877-385-8882, or you can drop me an email to drjeff at PetLifeRadio.com, and hopefully we'll see you here on Thursdays. 
Talk Pets. Let's Talk Pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. <laughs> Welcome back to Max Haypooch's Awesome Animal Advocates. Our guest is Michael Crowler, President and CEO of the Indianapolis Zoo. And we were just discussing about the prize and the way that the winner can use it as an unrestricted prize. And Michael, how many nominees are there this year? We have 39 nominees that have cleared the vetting process, and there were more than that initially, but the first stage is to identify those who are truly qualified, and we have 39 nominees, then a nominating committee of world-renowned scientists and conservationists from all over the planet selects six of those 39 to become finalists, and then a jury of other very well-known, highly qualified conservationists selects the winner from those six. Now, I understand that videos will be produced uh, showcasing the finalists and their work. Can the general public see them online or is there some place they'll be able to see them? Sure. We produce videos for all of the uh, each of the six finalists and we do it in the field. So there's some really dramatic footage. The simplest way to find them is to simply uh, go to YouTube and uh, type in uh, Indianapolis Prize in the search box and you'll see a selection of videos from past years. But we debut the videos on each year's finalists at the Indianapolis Prize Gala, which uh, for 2014 will be uh, presented on uh, September 24th. And the winner also gets a, a medal called the Lilly Medal, is, uh, yes. and that's been described as a Nobel Peace Prize of conservation. I think from what you've been saying, that uh, certainly is an apt description. I think it's really important to recognize the credibility that a conservationist picks up when they are named as an Indianapolis Prize and Lily Medal winner. The Lily Medal is a beautiful cast bronze piece of art that uh, has a, uh, a quotation from uh, John Muir on it that is, I'll paraphrase it, that when you, you pick out any single thing, you quickly find out that it's hitched to everything else in the universe. And the winners of the Lily Medal become the sort of exclusive fraternity that Steve Amstrup, the last winner, said gave him a taller pulpit from which to spread his gospel. He had a much harder time getting people to listen to his story about polar bears before he was an Indianapolis Prize winner than afterwards. So each of the uh, the winners has said that it's very nice to have the money, but just as important is the fame and the credibility that comes with being known as the winner of the Indianapolis Prize. This is quite the undertaking. It's really amazing. And you must get quite a bit of help from the community and companies or organizations. Who are some of the companies or organizations that uh, either sponsor or, or help putting this all together? Sure. The sort of central and founding sponsor of the Indianapolis Prize has been Eli Lilly and Company, the uh, pharmaceutical firm headquartered in Indianapolis. And they're a wonderful organization because it's the Eli Lilly and Company Foundation that has funded this. And we went to talk to them, uh, it was probably in 2004, so we're coming up on uh, 10 years ago now. And 
we explained the concept of the prize and they just understood it right away. They jumped right on it and they have provided several million dollars in funding for this project. And they're not looking for any glory or fame for themselves. They're just doing it because it's the right thing. And they're a company whose mission is to support the health of, of human beings. And they recognize that having a sustainable planet is, uh, is a key to that. So Eli Lilly has been uh, at the very front of this. Another company that's been very important has been Cummins Incorporated, which is one of the world's leading manufacturers of diesel engines. Now, it may sound a little funny having a diesel engine manufacturer behind a conservation prize, but Cummins became quite notable a number of years ago by establishing clean engines, clean diesels, as an absolute cornerstone of their product line. So while they're working in India and while they're working in uh, the United States and Europe and all over the world, they are not only building communities and supporting their needs, but they are converting the fleets that are uh, transporting goods in those countries to much cleaner engines. And so Cummins said, how can we partner with a global prize that is as focused as we are on uh, sustaining the environment? And they have been the presenting sponsor of the Indianapolis Prize Gala for the last several years and are committed to doing so into the future. I'm familiar with Cummins because uh, a company I used to be an advertising manager for purchased their power from Cummins. And, ah. uh, and that was one of their, uh, I remember that was one of their features that they discussed when their sales teams came in. And what's the connection between Indianapolis Zoo and the Indianapolis Prize, besides obviously being in Indianapolis? <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of people don't really realize that the zoos of the 21st century have changed significantly than the zoos of the past. For example, the Indianapolis Zoological Society's mission statement is that we empower people and communities, both locally and globally, to advance animal conservation. There's nothing actually in there about running a zoo. What we are about is empowering people and communities to advance animal conservation. So what we do every day of the year is look for opportunities for making a difference in the natural world and making sure that species are more sustainable. And part of the way we do that is by having a million and a quarter or so people a year come to our physical zoo in Indianapolis and hear the story of those species. We try to follow a process of first we engage people, we get their attention. That gives us the opportunity then to enlighten them, to show them something or teach them something they didn't know, and then finally to empower them to make a difference. So the zoo exists to engage, enlighten, and empower people. And one of the best ways to do that, we decided, was to initiate the Indianapolis Prize as a way that we can spread the word of what needs to be done, who's doing it, and how you, the public, can be a part of these success stories. Well, it looks like you're certainly doing that, and it's great uh, the way you're fulfilling your mission. And we're running short of time, but before we go, I, I ask each of my guests this question. 
And that is, with all the human misery and suffering in the world, how can you justify spending time, money, and resources on advocating for animals? I think I have what to me is a very compelling answer to that. And that is, we don't just want to help people today. We want to help them tomorrow. We want to help their children. We want to help their grandchildren. And we need to ensure that we can provide our children and our grandchildren with a future that they would choose to live in as opposed to one that they're forced to endure. We don't want the next generations to live in some sort of Mad Max dystopian world where there are no blue skies or green oceans, where there are no sparkling meadows of ice or uh, valleys to hike through or mountains to climb or forests to explore. We want them to have this wonderful richness, which is not just good for our spirits, but which also gives us clean air and clean water and seed dispersal and food and all of this wonderful dynamic that sustains us human beings as a future. If we want to have a future, we have to find a future for our neighbors, and those are the animals of this world. You know, as you were talking, I was just thinking that when we first moved to where we live now in Illinois, I used to, in the spring, hear frogs. And I don't think, I don't know how long it's been, and I haven't heard them. And, you know, mm. I miss that. That's something that I can't describe to my kids, what it's like to, in the evening to hear those guys peeping or croaking. And I it's guess that's sad, a, isn't it? Yeah, that's just one tiny little example. Hey, where can our listeners get more information about the Indianapolis Prize and the Indianapolis Zoo? Sure. The easiest way is online at www.indianapolisprize, one word, dot org. Again, that's indianapolisprize.org. And uh, the Indianapolis Zoo is at indianapolisszoo.com. So uh, if you go to indianapolisprize.org, you'll be able to see a listing of all the nominees, as well as the people who are on the jury and the nominating committee, and see some of the stories of the past winners. There are some pretty cool videos there, too. Well, that sounds great. And we want to thank you, Michael, for being with us today. You're certainly one of Max A. Pooch's favorite awesome animal advocates. And we'll keep up to date with what's going on with the Indianapolis Prize this year. Thank you so much. We want to thank you, our listeners, for spending your valuable time with us. You're all fantastic. And we hope you tell your friends about awesome animal advocates. And a special thanks to Mark Winter, co-founder and executive producer of Pet Life Radio, and our sponsors for making this episode of Max A. Pooch's Awesome Animal Advocates possible. I'm Keith Sanderson, host and creator of Max A. Pooch's Awesome Animal Advocates, saying thank you to all those animal advocates who work so hard on behalf of those who can't speak for themselves. Max A. Pooch gives them five big tail-wagging woofs. Let's Talk Pets. Every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.